Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Today we have a, a special treat um, here with me. I know you probably like see see us, and you could confuse us because we're about the same height. Oh, really, guy? Y'all laughing at that? And. Uh, but I had the opportunity to meet this amazing young man uh, about a year ago down in South Carolina. We are at a conference together. Um, our, our spirits just clicked. And as I was praying, as I always do, God, what guest do you want me to bring as we end our fast? And the Holy Spirit dropped his name into my spirit. So I reached out to him, the schedule word and i want you to do me a favor can we give an amazing warm access church welcome to pastor caleb mccall all the way from tennessee a big old country boy like i i told this caleb now he knows what i feel like when i stand next to him but uh, this amazing young man and his wife pastor an amazing church in Tennessee. Not only do they have a church, they also have a men's recovery and rehabilitation home. They also have a women's recovery and rehabilitation home. They're making an impact in their community. They're literally taking drug addicts and alcoholics and gangbangers right off the street and turning them into worshipers uh, for Jesus. And uh, God is doing an amazing thing. And today we get to hear what God has put in his heart for us today at Access Church. Come on, let's welcome him one more time. Come on, can we give it up for your pastors, Pastor Brian and Miss Sandra. Come on, you can do better than that. I said, can you give it up for your pastor? Number one, you got the coolest pastor in the region. He's an incredible man of God. Love him dearly. Like he said, we connected, our spirits connected uh, when we met last year. And I'm honored, honored to be in your house, Pastor Brian. Honored to be with you here today, all the way from Tennessee. My wife didn't get to come. We've got uh, two sons, and so she's back at home and handling, helping handle our service today. Um, but she sends her love all the way from Shelbyville, Tennessee, and uh, my church, Legacy Church, sends their love as well. They were uh, pleased to let y'all borrow me for the day. We had an evangelist come in, and so I'm just so, so excited to be here with you and. Uh, this morning in first service, I don't want to re try to recreate a moment, but a prophetic word was dropped in my spirit at Del Rio campus this morning as we were worshiping, and I, I had to Google it. I, I, I Googled Del Rio. What, what does that mean? And it means from the river. And God began to download to me some things about Access Church and what he is going to do. And so I do want to share that with you, not trying to recreate a moment, but I want to share that with you because I want y'all to know as the Access Church family, where y'all are going. God is blessing your pastors with a vision and God is bringing some things together. You know, with a river, what happens is that streams come together, amen? And streams come together to create a river. We as the people of God were always meant to be a river, not a lake, not a pond, but a river where the spirit of the living God can flow through. And God gave me a word about y'all that y'all need to get ready because many streams are going to be coming together. Just like many nations 
are crossing over right here in this area, there's going to be many nations that are going to infiltrate this church in a good way. You're going to reach them for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And y'all are going to be a river. And it's because God trusts your pastor. You know, one reason why we really connected in the spirit is because I, I love men of God who are pure. Come on, somebody. By the way, I'm one of them holler back preachers. If something blesses you, just holler back at me, wave at me, throw a shoe, run a lap. I'm one of them, okay? Come on, somebody. So, but, but the purity of his heart. And uh, I just sense that. You can see that. When you've got discernment, you can see it on somebody. And I've seen it on your pastor. And because God is able to trust him, y'all get ready. You think you've seen something now. You ain't seen nothing yet. Amen? Amen. Amen. I wanted to give y'all that before we get started. So um, it is my custom. We're going to go ahead and get started this morning to stand for the reading of God's word. If you don't mind, it is my custom, please. Uh, let's stand for the reading of God's word. We're coming from Genesis chapter 32 and verse 22 to 32. Amen. Come on. How many of you are ready for some word? You ready for some word? Y'all have an incredible worship team. I love worshiping and getting in the presence of God. But I love God's word, too, and we're going to get into it. So here we go. Verse 22, the Bible says this. Now he got up that same night and took his two wives, his two female slaves, and his 11 children and crossed the shallow place of the Japheth. He took them and sent them across the stream, and he sent across whatever he had. This is Jacob, by the way, the patriarch. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Come on, touch your neighbor and tell him, get blessed, get blessed, get blessed today. He said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, you shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have contended with God and with men and have prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you asked me my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob named the place Peniel, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. Now the sun rose upon him just as he crossed over Penuel, and he was limping on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the sons of Israel do not eat the tendon of the hip, which is, the, by the, which is on the socket of the hip, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the tendon of the hip. Father, bless the reading of your word. Father, I pray that as I preach and teach this word today, that your spirit would breathe upon it, God that we, be we would be touched in this place and we would leave here and never be the same. That God, we would get broken before you so that we can get blessed by you. Lord Jesus, have your way in this place and may the seed of the word fall on good soil. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray and God's people said amen. Amen. You may be seated. So for the next couple of moments, I just want to speak to you uh, from the train of thought, blessing in the breaking. Touch your neighbor and tell them blessing in the breaking. Come on, I'm one of them preachers. 
Come on, we got to wake you up. Wake up your neighbor. I know they was asleep. Come on, slap your other neighbor, the one that you like, and tell them that there's blessing in the breaking. Come on. Touch your other neighbor. Tell them, get broke, get blessed. Come on. Not woke, broke. Come on, somebody. Get broke, get blessed. There is blessing in the breaking. Now, I want to set the table for just a couple of minutes so y'all bear with me, and then I'll get to spitting and yelling and running laps and doing all that stuff in a second. But we got to learn something, right? Let me let's set the table for you. Let's get this background that we need here to understand what is truly going on. So to understand our text this morning, I'm going to set the stage and give you some information on Jacob's life. He is the son of the patriarch Isaac and the grandson of Abraham. His mother is Rebecca, and he is the twin brother of Esau. Everybody remembers that statement that there's a lot of theological questions about, right? Esau I have hated, but Jacob I have loved. And I, I won't break it all the way down, but I think you'll have a good, better understanding of why God makes that statement here in a little bit. But Jacob at his birth, he is holding on to the heel of his brother Esau, their twins. And he is holding on to the heel as if to pull him back into the womb so that he can be born first. This very moment puts a label and an identity on Jacob that he is not able to shake until he is an old man. Come on, has anybody ever had a label slapped on you? But he doesn't shake it until our text that we read to be exact, but an identity is put on him when he is named after this event. They name him one who grabs after the heel. Now that doesn't sound so bad at first, right? But if you do any studying, you'll realize that that's an old Hebrew idiom that means deceptive behavior. It means trickster or deceiver. So Jacob runs around his entire life being told from a child that he is a trickster, that he is a deceiver. And this mentality and inner narrative is in Jacob. It's ingrained into the fiber of his being. It's ingrained into his very core that this is who he is. He is best known for two stunts that he pulled as a young man. Number one, he tricks his brother into selling him the birthright for a bowl of porridge. If you do any studying and look at this, you'll find out that this was lentil soup. Come on, somebody. My goodness. Esau, you couldn't eat or you couldn't even sell your birthright for like some chicken noodle or some chili or something. Come on, man. Lentil soup. I want to read to you some things that the birthright did. So the birthright was a natural privilege to the firstborn. Receiving the birthright, the firstborn would become the head of the family. He would have charge of the family, including the family property. He would be responsible for the welfare of the younger brothers, the widow, or the unmarried daughters. He would exercise considerable authority over other members of the family. Now watch this. The blessing that he received would also place him in a special covenant relationship with the Lord. During the patriarchal period when Jacob and Esau lived, God dealt directly with the heads of family. The Hebrews counted the blessing given by the father to be very important and considered an oral contract, which was just as binding as a written contract. Are, are you catching that this morning? That the birthright wasn't just about stuff. Thank you for sticking with me, brother. I'll get you back in just a second. So, so the birthright wasn't just about stuff. The birthright was who gets to hear from God directly. 
The birthright is about who gets to hear from God directly. This tells us that Jacob is not just interested in the stuff, but that Jacob is actually interested in the things of God. That Jacob is actually interested in the things of God. That Jacob isn't interested in having a middleman to hear for God for him, but that Jacob wants to actually hear from God. Number two, the number two stunt that he pulled was tricking his father in his old age to give him the blessing instead of Esau. Isaac is old and can't see anymore and Jacob runs in there and Jacob puts animal skins all over his body. Y'all remember the story? Anybody remember the story? Jacob goes in there because Esau was a hairy man. So the Bible says that Jacob put on animal skins and goes in and tricks his father and he gets the birthright. Come on, somebody. And he gets the birthright and he gets the blessing. Can I just say that Jacob was grimy, y'all. Come on, Jacob was a savage. What nothing get in the way of this, that he wanted the things of God and he was going to get them no matter what it took. He was fixing to do whatever it take. He did not care. He was fixing to run over whoever he needed to to get to the blessing of God. I want to read to you the blessing real quick. The, the Genesis 28, this is what it says. says, see the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Now may God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and the abundance of the grain and new wine. May people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed are those who curse you and blessed are those who bless you. Blessed like a field. The field is there to produce and be fruitful. The dew of heaven meaning that there would be heavenly and spiritual encounters with Jacob. Grain and wine meaning that he would have provision and food. Brothers, the Hebrew nations would bow down to him. He would be a king. Mother and sons would bow down to him meaning that he would have family leadership. And curse will be those who curse you and blessed will be those who bless you. My goodness, that sounds like a blessing right there. Come on, that sounds like a blessing right there. Jacob is obsessed with the birthright and the blessing. So this very significant, I want us to pay attention here because this is very, very significant because what this means is that Jacob is obsessed with the things of God. Come on, y'all awake this morning. Remember, I said, holler back at me. But, but, but Jacob is obsessed with the things of God. Hence, Jacob I have loved and Esau I have hated. He has grown up. Jacob is obsessed with the things of God because Jacob has grown up around the campfire hearing the stories of his father and his grandfather, hearing the stories that God wanted to bless him and bring a nation from them and that they would be the head and not the tail. Come on, somebody. They would be above and not beneath, that they would be the people of God who God would entrust with things. Amen that they would be a, a great nation, that all other nations would be blessed from this nation that would be born from their family. Jacob is obsessed when he hears this. And he says, man, there, there, I'm not just in any regular old family. There is a legacy tied to my family. I'm not interested in the soup. Come on. I'm not interested in the fleshly things. I'm not interested in the physical things. If I get this birthright, if I get this blessing, I get God. And if I get God, I get everything. Come on, somebody. Come on. You want a New Testament scripture for it? It's Matthew 6, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to 
you. If you put God number one in your life, he will add everything else to you. If you put God number one before everything that you say, before everything that you do, will God be pleased with what I'm about to say and do? And then you do that. That's how you put God first. And when you do that, he will add everything else to you. He'll add everything else to you. Come on. The children of Israel, when they were in the wilderness, they put the tabernacle and the tent of meeting in the middle, and then the 12 tribes went around it. Come on. What would happen in the church in America? Come on. What would happen at Access Church here in Southwest Texas if we would build our lives around the presence of God and stop trying to build, build God's life around us? Come on. God is looking for some people that say, I won't to put God number one in my life. Come on, I want to put God number one in my finances. I want to put God number one in my marriage. I want God to be number one when it comes to my career and my decision making and how I live my life. Amen. Jacob is obsessed with the things of God. Point one I want to give you is this, that Jacob went where God told him to go. Oh, come on, somebody. Jacob went where God told him to go. Jacob has been working for 20 years for his uncle Laban and he He's been working for his two daughters. He's been blessed with children and wives and livestock. The man has worked his butt up, and he's actually become rich and wealthy. God told him to get up and return to the land of your fathers. I know you're comfortable right now. Come on, somebody. I know that you're, you're rich right now. I know that you've got everything you need. I know that you have built a beautiful family. You've built a beautiful life. But I need you to get up and go back home and actually go back over there where your brother Esau has sworn to kill you aka go back and face your past and I'm gonna meet you there Jacob has lived his entire life with this identity crisis going on on the inside of him where he loves God and the things of God but he can't shake who he is it's his name. It's ingrained in him. But Jacob is fixing to have his moment. Come on. Jacob is fixing to have his Abraham moment. Come on. Jacob is fixing to have his Isaac moment. Jacob is fixing to have that burning bush moment. Amen. Jacob is fixing to have, a, have an encounter with the living God. But he's still got this struggle. So, so Jacob walks in obedience to the things that God has called him to. As soon as he gets there, God begins to speak to him. As soon as he gets there, God begins to speak to him because he takes him to the ford of Japheth. He takes him to the shallow part of the water. This, by the way, is a play on words because Japheth sounds a lot like Yaakov, which is Jacob's uh, name in the Hebrew. So God brings him to this place where he's actually beginning to speak to him simply by the place that he has taken him. And as soon as he gets there, he takes him to the shallow waters, amen, that are named after him. He strips him of everything. He says, put all of your stuff, put your family, put all of your stuff, all of your well-being, all of your wealth, and leave it on the other side. God strips him of everything and says, okay, shallow you is over there. Come on, somebody. Your stuff is over there. Everything you found your identity in is over there. And now we are alone. And when you get alone with God is where God can do some of his greatest work. Come on. I know he, I, he, he mentioned a little bit of my story 
in the first service and talked about some of the things that we do. But uh, what we do is I have two long-term faith-based recovery centers based off the Teen Challenge model. I went through Teen Challenge. I used to be a drug dealer, used to be a, a drug addict. I was a dope head. I sold dope, was violent, angry, mad, bitter, mad, blamed everybody else for my problems. And then I got sent by the court system to this faith-based program that I asked them to send me to. And I went through that process and, and God got a hold of me. And I, I can't tell you my whole testimony. We don't have time for that. But let me give you the gist of it right here. I was very, very lost and now I'm very, very found. Come on. Does anybody else share that same testimony this morning? But I remember coming home from Teen Challenge and I remember I was faced with all kinds of temptations because I had been in this bubble for a long time and, and, and I fell into some sin and it wasn't drugs and it wasn't alcohol, but it was some sin. Come on. How many of you know sin is sin is sin? Come on. And so I fell into some sin and I began, I went across my sister. I was living with my sister at the time and I went into this extra spare bedroom that she had across the hallway and I shut the door behind me. I turned on worship music and I got alone with God. Come on. How many of you? You know, getting alone with God is where he can do some of his greatest work. It's where he can do heart surgery on you. And I fell on my face in that bedroom and I said, God, if you don't wrestle this thing up out of me, God, if you don't have an encounter with me, I'm going to wind up falling back into the same lifestyle that you paid a high price to get me up out of. And I said, God, I'm not leaving this room until you come down and have an encounter with me. Come on. I had to get alone with God for him to do some heart surgery with me and wrestle some things up out of me. And I fell on my face in that room. Come on, getting alone with God is what will shift your life. When I got alone with God and I started reading the word and prayer and worship by myself and I read a Colossians 1 and Ephesians 1 and I, and I read that the Bible says that I'm holy, that I'm blameless and I'm righteous in the eyes of the Father when I am in Christ. I read that message and I said, this is what the Bible says about me. Why don't my life look like it? But all it had to do through me getting alone with the Lord was to take that six inch trip down to my, from my mind down to my heart. And I planted that word in my heart. And what God began to reveal to me is that I don't have to work for it. That's who he says I am. But once I really believe that that's who he says I am, come on somebody, uh, th then you can actually walk out. Look, let me say it like this. You will never walk out something that you do not believe. You can't walk something out that you do not believe. You've got to walk it out by believing it first. But he gets alone with God. He gets alone with God. And, and, and Jacob gets left alone with this man and he begins to wrestle with him until daybreak. It was when he was alone. It was when he was stripped of everything that God shows up. Getting alone with God is where change can happen. I'm trying to tell you right now, if you will get alone in a prayer closet and shut yourself away with God and turn out the tune out the noise and turn off the TV and get off social media, come on somebody, and get in the presence of God, that is where your life can change forever. I'm telling you right now that there's some of us in the room that God is calling us today to cross over that shallow brook of a relationship that you have with God. Oh, it's quiet in here. Come on. I, I, I'm smart enough to know that there's some of us in the room today, and I'm not here to bash you, beat you up. I'm challenging you because you're going to a higher place today. But there's some of us in the room that we're in this real shallow place with God, and until you get alone with God, you'll never be able to understand the deep things of God for him to show you and give you deep revelation of himself. 
so that you can walk out destiny and purpose. Let me help us today. God didn't save you so that you could come to church, sing a couple of songs, throw a couple dollars in a bucket, and call it a day. He saved you because you have a destiny. He saved you because you have a purpose. There are things that you can accomplish that I'll never be able to accomplish. There are people that you're supposed to talk to that I will never meet. Come on, this ain't about preachers and microphones and worship teams. I'm trying to tell you that God has a plan for your life. But do you know him so that you can learn it and walk it out? Come on. Third thing I want to show you is this, that Jacob is strong and he is used to doing things on his own. Oh, come on. Y'all ever met them folks? Can't nobody help them. I got to do it on my own. I got to make things happen. I've got to make moves, amen. But Jacob crosses the river, and this man shows up. Don't y'all just love the Bible? <laughs> People are like, the Bible is boring. Not the book that I'm reading, brother. <laughs> Who shows up? They just walk it. He's crossed over a shallow river. Now a man shows up and says, let's wrestle until daybreak. You don't even know the brother, but he want to wrestle with you. Come on. I think I would have punched him. No wrestling for me. But... <laughs> But, but Jacob is strong. Jacob is used to doing things on his own. Jacob is, doing, is used to handling situations. Jacob is a, really strong physically too. He's strong-willed in his mind. He's strong-willed in his spirit. But he's also strong physically as well. If you read back a couple chapters later, uh, he's, he's on his way to Laban's. He's about to try to get his wife. Come on. She's standing there. He meets her. Come on. Y'all love love stories? Let me give you one real quick. But she's standing there. He shows up to this well he's got his flocks with him and he, he comes to the well and there's a big rock on the well and there's his future wife that he falls in love with love at first sight come on any of y'all ever had love at first sight come on come on and so so <laughs> about three of you come on somebody <laughs> but but he he sees this rock and he's like why are y'all not getting water for the animals what what's going on here and they they say well we're waiting on the rest of the shepherds to come uh, so so that we can pull the big rock off the well and we can get water for our animals and Jacob has one of them you know hold my water moments come on all you heathens in the room y'all know what I was about to say <laughs> just kidding but he, he has one of these moments. He's like, oh, oh, the girl that I'm in love with, she's standing over there. Y'all, y'all back up. Watch this. And he picks, he physically picks the rock up by himself and he moves it off the well. He was very, very strong. He was a strong individual. He was used to doing all these things on his own. He was strong. Even the, the bodysuit, you know, the, the, the Bible instructs or, you know, lets us in on little things that God from time to time, they call them theonic uh, figures, they would uh, uh, come down, that God would come down and he would put on a bodysuit. Come on, somebody. I, I don't know which one he put on that day, but it wasn't strong enough to defeat Jacob. The man was strong. He was strong physically. He was used to handling situations on his own. Can I just say this to you real quick? There is a disadvantage to being strong in the kingdom of God. There's a disadvantage to being strong or strong-willed in the kingdom of God. Come on, here it is right here for all you note-takers. God doesn't need you strong. He needs you broke. God doesn't need you strong. 
He needs you broke. God does some of his greatest work with broken individuals. Let me just give you a little news flash. God doesn't use people in great capacities that are not broken for him. Come on. David says that offerings and burnt offerings you do not delight, but what you delight is with a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Somebody who is broken before the Lord realizes the necessity for the God who saved them and doesn't say that I can do it in my own strength, doesn't say that my money's going to make it happen, doesn't say that my family connections is going to make it happen, doesn't say that my social media following is going to make it happen, but it is complete reliance on the power and the anointing and the spirit of the living God, not by might, not by power, but by the spirit, says the Lord. So watch this. God, God doesn't need you strong. He needs you broke. Fourth thing I want to show you. When God saw he was so strong, not just physically, but strong-willed, stubborn in mind, stubborn in thinking, as well as physically, when God had finally gotten him alone, one-on-one, come on, with no distractions, no outside noise, with no responsibility, God breaks him. With my BTB and Miriam House, that's the name of our ministry, with our ministries, I always tell them that they're in this place, they're in a wilderness so that God can break them. And if God can break them, that he can use them. Come on, and I just want to be honest with you. Come on, here in Southwest Texas today, that that ain't just for some of them, but that's for you here at Access Church. Come on, God brought you to this place. The Bible says that God directs the steps of the righteous, and you're righteous if you're in Christ. Come on, he who knew no sin became sin so that you might become the righteousness of God. So God directed your steps in here this morning. Come on, those of you on the live stream, you didn't stumble across this for no reason today. God has sent you to Access Church to hear this word because God is getting ready to break some of you. God is getting ready to break some stuff off of you. God is getting ready to break some stuff off your mind. God is getting ready to break some stuff off your spirit. God is getting ready to break some generational curses. I wish somebody talked back to me. Come on, God is getting ready to break you and break some things off of your life so that he can use you. Come on, pastor, that sounds awful violent. God, <laughs> oh, getting ready to break you. Who's signing up for that conference? Come on. <laughs> but the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. What I mean in the breaking is that God has got to get you to a place of complete reliance upon him. That's what being broken is before the Lord. It's a realization that you can't do this on your own and you need a savior. I said this in first service too, but you need a Lord and a savior. Can I say that here in Texas? Come on. Everybody good with Jesus being a savior. Come on, somebody. Everybody's good. We're raising their hand and asking Jesus into their heart. Trust me, believe me. I, I do all those things. We, we do that. We'll do anything to make somebody feel comfortable and say yes to Jesus because it's the greatest decision you'll ever make make as an individual but I am here to also tell you that he is Lord and he is Savior that word Lord means complete ownership and complete authority we need Christians to rise up in America and say we're gonna let God be God we're gonna let him be Lord and be King of Kings and Lord of Lords and be master over our lives. 
Can I give you just a, a barometer real quick? Y'all with me still? Can, can I give you a barometer real quick to tell if you are broken before God or not? And here it is. Can you tell when he walks into the room? Can you tell when Jesus steps onto the scene? Can you tell when the Holy Spirit of God has broke out in a church service? Well, give me some word for that, Pastor. No problem. Isaiah chapter 6. He steps into the throne room of heaven, and his first response when he stands before the throne of God is, Woe is me. <laughs> Woe is me. I'm a, I'm a man of unclean lips from a people of unclean lips. His immediate response is how holy God is and how holy he is not. He falls on his face and an angel of the Lord has to come and touch his lips with a coal of fire from the throne of heaven. Come on. How you can tell if you're really broken before the Lord or not is it do you feel when you feel his presence in the room? Do you have the proper response? Being in the presence of God cannot become some common thing to you. Ask Uzzah how that turns out. Come on, the ark of God is parked at Abinadab's house, who's his daddy. It was sitting there for 20 years, and it had become, the glory of God had become some common thing to him. And as the David is bringing the ark of the covenant back into the city of Jerusalem, Uzzah reaches out and tries to touch the ark. Can I help you today? God don't need your help standing up. Come on, somebody. God could stand up all on his own 24-7, and there's angels all around the throne 24-7 singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, but don't you dare come into church every week and let the glory and the presence of God become some common thing to you. Come on, if you touch it, you can die. You might not die physically and walk up out of this building, but when the glory and the presence of God becomes some common thing to you, you can die spiritually. Being reverent in the presence of the Lord is a very, very big deal. But Isaiah chapter 6, this is a barometer so that you can tell if you are broken or not. After God breaks Jacob, Jacob holds on. After God breaks him, Jacob holds on. Verse 26, then he said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. After he is broken, Jacob takes this, this thing to another level. Come on. After Excuse me. God breaks him. He takes this thing to a whole nother level. After he is broken, he takes it to a whole nother level. He says, God, I'm not going anywhere until you bless me. God, I'm not letting go until you bless me. God, I'm holding on until the blessing comes. Some of us, we need to get some tenacity in our prayer closet and some tenacity in our prayer time and say, God, we are not leaving this room. I'm not leaving this altar until you bless me. Come on. Does anybody remember the woman with the issue of blood come on the bible says that she pushed through the crowd she's laying there with her issue come on anybody ever had an issue i've been the person with the issue in town but she's laying there and she's imagining within herself the master walking by and she pushes through a crowd and gets to him and touches the hem of his garment and not only touches it but she holds on to it come on and the disciple jesus says what has happened what somebody has touched me and virtue or power has gone forth from me 
me. Come on, the disciples start looking at Jesus all crazy, and they're looking at the crowd around And they're saying, Jesus, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody's touching you. Everybody's bumping into you. And he says, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I felt virtue come out of me. I felt power come out of me. Slap your neighbor and tell him, get some power by holding on to God. Come on, this is a problem in America. We've got too many Christians that are bumping into Jesus. Come on. They know how to come to church. Come on. They know how to throw some money in a bucket. They'll sit in a chair. But have you held on to the king until power? has transformed from his life to yours. Jacob holds on and he says, I'm not leaving. I'm not letting go of you, God, until you bless me. You realize Hosea chapter 12 and verse 4 says this. This is a a quote about the situation. Yes, he wrestled with the angel of God, the angel of the Lord. This is God and prevailed. He wept and implored his favor and he found him at Bethel. And there he spoke with us. The, the, the word there for implored means that he, he wrestled, he wept and implored for his favor, a.k.a. his blessing. Jacob was going crazy on God. Jacob's holding on to God and he's screaming and he's weeping and he's crying and he's shaking and he's saying, I'm not going anywhere until you bless me. Come on, if somebody acted like that in one of our services, we take them to a back room and try to cast the devil out of them. But what if we had some people who were so hungry and so desperate from God that came up to an altar like this and said, I'm not leaving until God gets a hold of my heart. I'm not leaving until God gets a hold of my mind. I'm not leaving until the spirit and the power of God anoints my life for the works of the ministry. The church of Jesus Christ needs some tenacity because can I help you when you walk out of that doors, the world has got some tenacity if you really want to be a christian you better get ready because in about 10 to 20 years they'll be arresting us and saying we're preaching hate speech if we preach the word of god we're gonna have to get some tenacity amen the question we should be asking i'm almost done y'all with me still but the question that we should be asking is not over the method of jacob or what he was doing But why was he doing it? Jacob, after grabbing a hold of this man, he realizes that this is not just some regular man. Everything that Jacob did, it points to the fact that he knows this is a divine being that is not normal in nature. So so why does he ask him to bless him in this moment? And what does he mean by asking him to bless him? The fifth point I want to give you is this. The blessing from the Father is not transactional, but it is a state of being. Jacob is going crazy, saying, I got to have this blessing. I got to have this thing on my life. Let me just put it to you like this. The blessing of God It's not transactional, it's transformational. The blessing of God being on your life is not about some transaction. Giving your first fruits to God is not about some transaction. 
I know we're getting to that here in a little bit. Giving your tithe and your offer, it's not some transaction that says, all right, I'll do this and God's going to do this. When you honor God with the truth of his word, it puts you into this state of being where everywhere the sole of your foot treads, it belongs to you. You have dominion. You have dominion. Jacob, watch this, Jacob's greatest struggle in life is that Jacob had been blessed by his father, but he had never been blessed by his father. You see, this blessing from the earthly father was transactional in nature, but the blessing that Jacob was trying to get was supernatural. It was a blessing that could take him from always trying to do to finally be. Come on, we in the church, we, we've got to stop trying to do to be. Come on, if you're constantly trying to do to be, do to be, you're going to be a doobie. Come on, somebody, we done with that life. <laughs> but, but what if we, what if we just became what God already says about us? Yeah, you can clap for that. Come on, what if, what if we just read the word and we let the word be like a mirror? Come on, there's that scripture in James that hung up on a, on a wall in Teen Challenge. And I would read it and I was real green in the Lord. Come on. And I was like, what in the world does that mean? That, that, that uh, being a Christian, reading the word is like a mirror. And then if you go out and you just continually living in sin, you're like a man who looks in the mirror, yet he has forgotten what he looks like as soon as he walks away from the mirror. I, thank you, Holy Spirit. I want to say this to somebody in the room, maybe multiple. Can I just help you today? The Christian that is struggling with sin, you have simply forgotten who you are. If you're a Christian in the room and you're constantly struggling with sin, you're constantly falling into that same thing over and over and over again, I want to encourage you. You've simply just forgotten who you are. Come on. You have forgotten who your father is. But he's with you. The power is with you. The power to overcome that thing is with you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Anybody ever seen that movie, The Lion King? You better wave your hand in church, all y'all lying in here. I know y'all seen The Lion King. <laughs> I, went, I went to watch the new one years ago when the, the live action one or whatever come out. I took my kids to go see it. And, and God began to minister to me. But through the end of the movie where... Um, Simba has run away from the kingdom. Come on. He's run away from the kingdom because of an enemy that's because of an accident that's happened with his uncle Scar, right? Y'all remember the story? And his uncle Scar tells him to run from the kingdom and never come back. And so Simba listens to him. He run, does that sound familiar from our enemy, right? Run from God. Stay away from the You're in sin. Stay away from the things of God. Get out of here. You're not worthy to walk in the church. You're not worthy to be a part of those Christians. You're not worthy. Look at what you did last week. Look at what you did last month. Look what happened. So Simba runs away from the kingdom, and he's hanging out with Timon and Pumbaa, for goodness sake. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Eating bugs and stuff. Living like a lion king should never live. And then, come on, y'all remember that crazy monkey? Rafiki. He represents the Holy Ghost in this story. <laughs> he watched it. He says, come with me to the river. Don't that sound familiar? <laughs> he said, come, come with me to the river. Your father is alive. 
come with me to the river. He takes him to the river and Simba looks in his reflection. He says, look down there. He's in there. And he said, he looks, I don't see anything. He said, look down there again. He said, I don't see anything. Look down there again. I don't see anything. Then he smacks him across the head with a stick. Come on, somebody. Sometimes we just need to get, Holy Ghost just bam. Come on, somebody. Watch this. As soon as he hits him in the head with the stick, the reflection of his father, Mufasa, shows up. Shoo! Come on. And he says, see, he was with you this whole time. Come on, some of us in the room, we've been struggling with some things and you have forgotten who you are. You have forgotten that the Holy Ghost lives on the inside of you. You have forgotten the price that Christ paid for you. You have forgotten that your identity is in Him. It's not in your career. It's not in your mistakes. It's not in what family you come from, what side of the tracks you come from. Your identity is in Him and He's with you. Come on, I'm off the notes, but I feel like there's some individuals within this room that that you've forgotten who you are. Come on, you, you have forgotten. You've let life punch you in the mouth and you have forgotten who it is that you are. And I came on an assignment this morning to remind you that you're a blood bought, born again son or a daughter of the king. Come on, and I don't care what you did last night. And I don't care what you did last month. God's grace and his mercy. Come on, where sin does abound, grace does that much more abound. And I came for you today. And God came for you today to remind you who you are. It's going to take you getting broke in the presence of God for you to overcome that thing. Come on, I said it's going to take being broken in the presence of God. You want to know what happens with Jacob in this moment? Is that God touches his hip and the Bible says that he walked with a limp the rest of his life. This was a sign and an indicator that everybody that came across Jacob, he's walking like this. And he's walking with a limp because his hip has been touched by God. Come on, some of us need to get a limp today. Some of us need God to touch us today. Come on, some of us need God to break us today. Come on, if you will let God touch you and break you in this moment, I'm telling you that your life will never, ever, ever be the same. Come on, stand with me real quick on your feet. And I want the worship team to jump into that song if you can. And I want to ask you if there's anybody in this room today that says, I want to get a limp, that I want to get broken before God. If there's anybody here today that says, I, I, I lost track of my identity, that my identity's been found in everything else. Come on, if that's you, I just want you to wave at me real quick. If you're ready to walk with a limp, you're ready to get broken before God, that you're ready to walk in your God-given calling and identity and purpose, and then we're going to do something crazy. I want you up front right here, right now. If you lifted your hand, would you come up front to the altar we're gonna pray with you come on just fill the altars thank you for joining us and a special thanks to those who have given to support this ministry without you none of this is possible if you like this podcast please like and subscribe and share it on social media 
Thank you for listening. God bless you.